Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Men Up Podcast. I'm excited. I am super excited. It is a long time coming for the Men Up Podcast. We are finally here. We've had some trials with testing this out, finding where this was going to happen, and finally we just said, you know what, we are just going to jump in with all four feet, because you got two feet, I got two feet, that equals four feet. This definitely equals four feet. There's four feet, <laughs> jumping in. Creating the Men Up Podcast. My name is Christian Shabu. I am George Black. And we are the co-founders of Men Up, a movement to redefine manhood and masculinity for all people. And we've been at this podcasting game now for a year. It's actually been a year. Hold up. It's actually been a year. Yeah. Wow. Before we launch into what the Men Up Podcast is going to be all about, we, we want to give you sort of an evolution of how we got to this point. So... We started, George and I, we started Men Up as a movement two years ago. Mm -hmm. And in that time, we also started watching a show called This Is Us. Mm -hmm. And we both happened to just really fall in love with the show, the characters, the way the story evolved. And so we started a podcast then, last year, called Is This Us? Correct. Absolutely. And so we maintained that for a year. We had some great conversations. Oh, <laughs> some of the best. We had some, some theories, some alternative theories of what might be happening. Yeah, yeah. We disagreed on some things. We had some guests. And it was a successful endeavor, right? I, I agree with this. I agree with this. But ultimately, I think we started to realize that a lot of the conversations we were having were similar conversations to conversations we were having in Men Up. Mm. And these conversations about, at the time, we were talking about this is us and how the the male characters the men in those in those episodes and in the show were showing up in some really unique ways and, and different than some of the traditional characters we've often seen uh, in in media and even present day shows that are popular but we just started seeing a lot of a lot of similar trends yeah. and it just so happened at the same time we were just really revving up the men up work yeah. gained a lot of momentum and so we had to make a decision we had to say well do we want to do we want to really like dive in all four feet into men up and, and have all of our energy focused there? Do we want to try to split our energy with is this us and a men up podcast? Do we not want to do a men up podcast? And ultimately we have landed here. Right, right, right. And I actually think this is going to be really good, right? Because we can use this to, to talk about all the important um, relevant things as it pertains to manhood and masculinity. And we have the, the, the chance to talk about uh, our show as well, our favorite show as well, right? Um, and uh, I want to be clear, this show has been such a bonding experience for Christian and I, uh, being able to, to watch it and to dissect it. Um, and so what I'm excited about is layering that and then also really diving into some of the, the relevant issues that we've been looking at and tackling and seeing um, as it pertains to manhood and masculinity and putting a, a stronger focus on that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that, George, because I think some of the first conversations we had where we started to realize conversations we were having with Is This Us and with our Men Up work were around this fact that you and I, I mean, we've been friends now for, for going on six years. Yep. We were bonding even further watching this show that, you know, folks have labeled, you know, a drama, sometimes a romance, and have, have pigeonholed that this certainly can't be a show that, that two men sit down and watch together, right? And, and we got those kind of responses, and we got responses that some folks would question that, be like, oh, that's kind of strange. Some folks would, would say, oh, that's really cute. 
right? But like <laughs> we started to see what was, you know, some sort of um, typical ideas of manhood and masculinity arising just from the responses people were having that you and I had started this podcast. And like, yeah, that was just an issue we wanted to address. And, and it just became so clear that, that doing the Men Up podcast was a natural evolution, even though they don't connect. Like, right. we're not going to always be talking about this is us. Right. We're still going to find time on this podcast to talk about this is us, right? Because that's part of our relationship. That's part of the, what we do in life. Uh, but we are expanding it to to far more of the work that we that we really address with Men Up. Yeah, that's it's yeah. That, that's a good point. It was funny how the responses that people had about us setting time to meet together to watch this is us. Was like, is that, is that patriarchy rearing its ugly head? These these ideas, these thoughts that you have about two men who care about each other and want to watch a show together. Mm, okay, yeah. So it was. It, it actually became yeah fuel and, and points of conversation. Um, and it's that stuff that I'm excited about uh, really unpacking more, or, re, or really just like the general idea of of what ideas like that come. Where does ideas like that come from, and how? And how do we how do we exist in a world where that's true? And uh, um, we want to be the best that we can be. What we want to do here is we want to create spaces to explore in depth through looking at pop culture, through current events, and the interactions that we see every day here in New Haven, throughout the country, the interactions we're having with all sorts of different people. Um, and how that all relates to our current understanding of manhood and masculinity and the challenges it offers, the opportunities it offers, but ultimately to really understand where are we at in our present day around manhood and masculinity. And our hope is that uh, we can have a, a strong takeaway, right? Whether that's a, some steps you can follow or some questions that you should be asking yourself, um, just something that you can practically take away um, that will help you live into uh, a more empowering, inclusive, an equitable, uh, joyful, happy idea of manhood and masculinity, that redefinition that we'll, we'll reference from time to time. Obviously, George and I will always be here. We'll have guests, we'll have experts, and we'll bring in whether it's some, some readings or some media or other things that we've found interesting. Uh, but we're gonna really, really dig into some powerful themes, topics, and, and current events. So, so I'm ready, are you ready, George? I'm ready, man, let's get it popping. So, would love to highlight some of the stuff that we've been doing over the summer, because that's actually gonna to relate to our, our bigger topic for the night, where there's some really interesting stuff that's been happening uh, for celebrity that we're gonna mm -hmm. talk about in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Before we get to that celebrity, we'd love to talk about like what you and I have been up to for the summer. So, so what's something that you would highlight, George, from our Men Up work, some progress that we've made, or some things that we've seen with our Men Up work over the summer? Um, so we had our uh, Men Up uh, conference, our Men Up Summit, which was originally kind of the thing that our whole work kind of centered around, right? It was the thing that we said we wanted to do that kind of was the birthplace of Men Up. Um, so we had our second annual conference, and it was a great success. We had really strong presenters. Uh, young people came and, and clearly expressed that it was an impactful event. Um, and it was, a, it was a powerful way to kind of wrap up um, the, the work that we were doing with Men Up this year. Yeah, and also this summer, from the huge success that we had from our GoFundMe campaign to mm. really push this work forward, not just this year, but for many years moving forward, it's allowed us to build out a website, right? Yeah. To have a place where we, we house this podcast, but also have a place where 
folks not just in New Haven but from across the country mm -hmm. can really connect to Men Up and connect to this work and, and figure out how they can be a part of what we hope is going to be a movement. Yeah. Which is really exciting. So we're going to have a lot of content coming up. There's there's obviously the podcast here. We've got Men Up Minutes that are going to be happening every week, which you can always catch on Facebook. We're going to have lots of updates, lots of new stuff coming on the website. So so Men Up, it is the summer of Men Up. Mm, Y'all heard it here. Y'all heard it first. Summer of Men Up. Yeah, I'm with that. So folks might not be attuned to the fact that it's the summer of men up, but, but I've heard a lot from whether it's articles that I've read or have actually heard from other people reference to the summer of Terry Crews. Mm. So Terry Crews has been all over the media landscape this summer because back in June, he testified in front of a Senate Judiciary Committee um, in regards to what is being considered his Me Too moment. So earlier this year, earlier in 2018, Terry Crews revealed that back in 2016, he was sexually assaulted by an agent by the name of Adam Bennett. He was assaulted at a party, right? And now two years later, Terry Crews came forward with this in, in the height of the Me Too movement continuing to gain momentum. Right. He came forward as, as one of the first men um, and certainly one of the, the first heteronormative men in the, in the public eye that came forward with this story of sexual assault. Yeah. What I've really appreciated about how he presents uh, his struggle and his survivor story is the fact that he wanted to tell the story as a means of making the world safer, uh, making the world safer for his wife, uh, for his daughter, um, but also for his son, right? And uh, the, the fact that in the midst of talking about this, he would, he would talk about, yeah, I went through this, and the reason I'm telling it is because I have people that I love, both male and female, um, who I want to protect, and who I want to make sure this doesn't happen to. Uh, putting that, I think, on the table, I think, yeah, it, it, it broadens this conversation in a way that I think is really necessary. Back in June, Terry Crews was was testifying in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And the reason for why he was presenting was twofold. One, he was sharing his story um, to really highlight many of the things that you were just talking about, mm -hmm. George. I think one of the things that stuck with me in listening to his testimony, which I'd encourage all folks to go check out, his testimony is a really interesting watch because he identifies how for much of his life he lived in a sphere of perpetuating toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Right? And he goes through and he, he details it. He details what that toxic masculinity looked like and then suddenly how this moment where he was abused, how that just in many ways turned his world upside down. And that even initially after that, he was still acting in ways that were toxic. But as, as he saw the momentum being built by the, the Me Too movement, he realized one, where there could be a power in his story, but, but also more importantly, that there were some ways he was operating in the world that were not helping the cause at all. Yeah. And in fact, like this thing that, that he felt was very harmful to him, in some ways he was still perpetuating things that were harmful to others. So it's a, it's a really powerful testimony to yeah. watch. One of the things that stood out to me when I watched the, the hearing was that he referred to toxic masculinity as a cult. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I rewinded it because I was like, did he say cult? Yeah, he said cult. Um, and it's just, this really poignant way of pointing out 
uh, toxic masculinity uh, as a perversion of something good, right? Like masculinity being something good and toxic masculinity being this perversion of that. And so I really appreciated his choice of words after I actually heard it. Like that was, that was, it was really smart of him to say something like that. So fast forward then to July, a few weeks later, um, and in partnership with Sam B on the Sam B show, um, him and Sam B collaborated to create this PSA, which is like maybe two and a half, three minutes long, but it's really calling out uh, Hollywood around these just tropes, the, these ideas of toxic masculinity that like just continue to perpetuate themselves in the jokes that are being told right. throughout Hollywood. A, a lot of jokes that are based in sexual assault. Right, right, right. It is by far one of the hammiest things I have ever seen in my life. And everybody should watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, I think at one point Terry Crews says, "Like, just stop doing this shit." <laughs> and it's so funny because he's so over top with yep. the delivery. Yeah. And he's also he's got great timing because he's on a show like Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's right, done a right. lot of funny work before, but but it strikes a chord, right? Because it, it's talking about and and these are the interesting pieces, right? A lot of times when we talk about disempowering masculinity, right? There are these there are these tropes, there are these ideas that seem innocent, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the jokes, right? Like and some of the jokes he's talking about are are the jokes of one of the jokes they talk about is like the jokes about being in jail, right? And dropping the bar of soap, right? And 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 that's a joke that is like pervasive in all sorts of realms, whether it's comedy, drama, late night TV, primetime TV, stuff on Netflix, right? Like that's a joke that we see pervasive throughout different mediums throughout years, right? But like, that's a joke around sexual assault and often a, a joke around specifically uh, male enacted sexual assault, right? right? And, and just like how pervasive that idea is and just like how detrimental that is. Yeah. So when I watched the video, what was great about it was that Terry was able to be like, I went through this, but I'm gonna use comedy and lightness to make people aware of something that's happening. And that was beautiful, and I, I, I appreciated that. I wondered, to some degree, if there were people who would have looked at that and said, yeah, my, my, my sexual assault experience, uh, my survival story, I'm not entirely sure if I can make that into like a comedy sketch or like laugh about that. Um, so I could see like there being like uh, differing thoughts and feelings about Terry doing that. But I personally really appreciated him being able to to laugh about it and to or laugh about the situation in general um, that's happening in Hollywood. Um, but I could also see like, hmm, I wonder who is it taking this well, you know? So you've got this Senate Judiciary testimony. You've got this Sam B PSA. Also, he was in Deadpool 2 as Bedlam. You just got Terry Crews in all these different areas, right? The one area we want to talk about is actually some conversation that came up as a result of comments made by 50 Cent, by mm -hmm. Curtis Jackson, mm -hmm. right? And those comments were made shortly after Terry gave his Senate Judiciary testimony. And the comments were, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not reading the exact comments. They were comments that were made on Twitter and then shortly after taken down. Um, and then comments that were echoed in a much subtler way when, when 50 Cent went on The View. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially mm -hmm. the comments were of disbelief yeah. Right, they were comments of yeah. not believing that a man of Terry Cruz's stature, 
right? Because Terry Crews is a former NFL player. He is he is a large man that has a that has a very defined physique. He's a strong man, right? Um, a man that is that is known for his heteronormative prowess, right? It was being questioned that like how could it possibly be that a man who is like that, how could that man actually be assaulted? And furthermore, how could that man be assaulted and his response be one of uncertainty and not knowing how to act after? Because that's the that's the story that Terry tells, right? right. The story is that he was he was groped by Adam Bennett and, and didn't know how to respond, was paralyzed. He talks about feeling paralyzed. And, and 50 Cent was calling him out being like, that can't possibly, like essentially saying like, that can't be true. How can a man like you be paralyzed? You're a grown man, blah, 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 all this other stuff. One of the things that Terry said that actually stopped him from reacting was the things that 50 Cent was saying should have, he should have acted out, right? So. Terry is a big man. He's a strong man. He he could have made a scene if he wanted to. He could have defended himself if he wanted to, and he and, and he didn't. And so much of what Terry said was, "Why well, didn't?" Because I felt like if I did, I'd have been ousted. Right? Like I didn't know how to respond because not only because this is Hollywood, and I know that people can like ruin your career, but also there's something to be said about the fact that I'm a large, imposing black man. And that might actually backfire on me. Um, and so in the moment, I didn't know what to do, not just because it was a surprising moment. I'm sure he was shocked, right? Anybody who experienced that, I think, would be shocked and maybe respond in different ways. Um, but another part of it was that uh, the, the masculinity that people perceive on Terry Crews was actually something that he felt would have backfired against him had he responded in that situation. And frankly, when I took a moment to think about this situation, right, I thought about like, well, how would I possibly react in that situation? And I thought about how I might have thought about the situation when I was younger, Mm -hmm. when I was in my teenage years, even in my early 20s, right? And that 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 response would have been would have been one fueled by emotion would have been one of like, just like snapping back real quick after after such a such a such an assault right but now as I think about this as a 35 year old man I think I would be paralyzed too Mm -hmm. yeah I I played it in my head and I was I was trying to be yeah I was trying to ask myself oh what I had just said it on the dude would I have swung would I and I think in the moment I also would have just a million thoughts would have went through my head. Would have went through my head. Um, and I'm not sure if I would have given the response that I would tell people I would have given, right? The, the, the response that 50 said he, he would have given, right? You would have had to lock me up. You would have had to bail me out, was what 50 was saying on The View. And... I wonder. I just wonder. As you understand more and more whether you're developing your career, whether you're somebody who's in who's in the public spotlight or not, right? Like as you continue to to go on in your years, you I think you just start to understand consequence more. Mm-hmm. Right? And you understand that that there are reactions to every action, right? And and I can't possibly understand like how many thoughts must have been running through that man's head or or any yeah. um 
sexual assault survivor's head in those moments and, and why paralysis is often like the, the first reaction of like uncertainty, paralysis in these situations. And it's because like there are consequences. Mm. And just think about that for a second. Not only are you being assaulted, right? And that's, and that's got emotional, physical baggage to it, right? but also just the heaviness of knowing that there are consequences, that you have to be mindful of the way you're reacting, even though whoever is assaulting you is not being mindful of the way they are acting. This makes me want to just say shout out to Terry Crews' wife, right? Because the assault, so the assault happened in front of her, and Terry had a lot of emotion to process, right? Is a, a lot of the things that he pent up that he didn't act on in the moment he later processed with his wife. He cites the fact that there were so many people around him who did not attribute his masculinity to or his response to like a, ma- a lack of masculinity. All those things that he wanted to do, that he wanted to say, that all the questions he asked himself in that moment, um, he had people who he could process that with and he attributed uh, his ability to even come out and share uh, two years later to that support system. I think that's an important point to make, right? Is that in this story, and we're highlighting this because it's a story that's in the spotlight because it involves two, two men that are prominent in Hollywood and in other areas uh, of media. It involves a movement with Me Too. It, you know, it involves a lot of factors here, but, but by and large, Terry Crews is supported in this mm-hmm. situation, right? You obviously talk about the support from his wife, like within within the public um, sentiment, he's yep. supported, right? But I think why we wanted to bring this up tonight, why it's really important, is that this idea of men being sexually assaulted is one that we have to believe, because mm. a lot of times I hear this in hallways, right? With, with young people, I hear this out walking around the street, I hear this in interactions with, with friends from all different moments in my life, right? This idea of men being sexually assaulted it is often one that is not initially believed, yep. right? Yep. And that's problematic, yeah. right? That, that the idea that men can be sexually assaulted, that we don't believe that. Yeah, I was, I was reading an article that literally was just, giving bullet points on how to support men who have been sexually assaulted. And one of the questions, and one of the questions that it asked was, uh, who can who can be the perpetrator of sexual assault towards a man? And I remember thinking that it was gonna say something like, um, well, men usually are the perpetrator or something along those lines. and it, clearly laid out that anyone can be the perpetrator of sexual assault. Um, And I remember reading that and and thinking, wow, I actually thought it was going to say something else because of my own biases around manhood, around masculinity, around uh, what happens to men as opposed to what happens to women, who does it to men as opposed to who does it to women. And reading that and, and having to check myself, having checked my perception and say, oh, oh yeah, even in, even in the desire to want to know more and educate myself and be open-minded, I have to be mindful of my biases. I have to be mindful of the ways 
that I think masculinity, quote unquote, should manifest or should look and how that can often be unhelpful. Right, and that it's also, to your point, it's also too often viewed in a heteronormative way, right? Mm -hmm. that, it is, that it is men enacting sexual assault on women, right? But that men can enact sexual assault on men, right? right? Yep. Literally, that's the example with Terry Crews here, right? right? And who Good. knows if, if Adam Bennett did it out of like actual sexual desire, who knows, right? But like certainly that, that was out of a place of exerting power over another person. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I, whatever the mix was, it was definitely a power play, right? Um, which we're clear a lot of sexual assault is often power play, right? It's often less about sexual desire and more about exerting power and authority um, or trying to maintain power and authority. So yeah, it, it yeah, I'm, I, I would bank on that. Yep. And I think the other reason why it was important for us to bring this up as our first topic for the Men Up podcast was this idea that the only response that is believable out of a man, if he is being sexually assaulted, right? So if we've gotten past the first bias of like, oh, men can't be sexually assaulted, mm -hmm. but that like the second one is that the only response is to be physically aggressive yeah. as a result of that abuse, yeah. of that assault, yeah. right? And that just plays into this narrative that the only emotion that men can easily access or are readily accessible to is anger. And that is just so problematic on, on so many levels. So one, one of the things that I was reading was sharing a story about, uh, oh my God, this story had me all twisted up. So the story was about a, a video of a boy who was getting his shots. And the boy was crying and the father was telling the boy, you're okay, you're okay. Say you're a man. Say you're a man. And the boy... Who's you know pounding his chest and you know puffing his chest out and saying, "I'm a man, I'm a man." And one of the quotes from the article about the video said, uh, "The home video was right on point, illustrating the takeaway: how boys are taught, sometimes with the best of intentions, to mutate their emotional suffering into anger. Mm. To mutate their emotional suffering into anger, right? And I remember thinking." Oh, that happened to me. <laughs> like that, that happened to me. I remember from growing up, I know what it's like for people, men and women, to tell me, man up, to tell me, don't cry, to tell me, uh, don't be a punk, right? Whenever I would feel something, whenever I would feel something, and knowing in my life how some of that pent up anger has manifested in unhelpful ways, Right and in unhelpful times, and knowing, oh yeah, that that's a mutation. It, it was a mutation of my emotions into anger, of my suffering into anger. That was such a powerful way to put it. Such a powerful piece of language for me. That article, in fact, as we were doing the research for this episode, comes from the New York Times. Mm. The title of the article is "Teaching Men to Be Emotionally Honest." It is from. Andrew Rayner, so check that out if you're interested. Please. And and really what Rayner's doing in that, be, beyond giving the anecdote that you gave, which is at the beginning of the article, yeah. is talking about 
some observations during some visits to some college campuses that are currently doing some classes around uh, confronting manhood and masculinity and, and the present day notions and the, and the history behind those. Right. Um, and, and that was, so that was his entrance into, into this, right? And, and really the article goes on to talk about that even in the spaces where we are attempting to cultivate a, a more holistic, a more vulnerable space for, for men, uh, particularly for young men, is that there is so much work to do because there has been so much of what he calls like a mask, mm-hmm. right? A mask of really like being okay, mm-hmm. of I'm good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that is on the surface so that like even in the spaces where we're being asked to be vulnerable, it's only to a limit, right? And I think all that's to say is that one of the things you can do, so as we're thinking about like what are the things you can do, right? What are the action steps? So number one, right, is if, if another man is coming to you with a story of sexual assault or, or any story in which they are being vulnerable about, about anything, mm-hmm. is to come from a space of listening and one of belief. Yeah. And, and asking questions, right, rather than passing judgment. So many boys, so many men wear that mask to their grave. They will wear that mask. To, they would rather wear that mask than show that something happened to them or that they're feeling a thing. And and that that is patriarchy. Like patriarchy does that, right? Like it's 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 the ways that men are victims uh, of patriarchy, right? And I think that that kind of bleeds into another another step, right? Another practical step that we can take away, which is. When we're talking about sexual assault, when we're talking about these things that people experience, to remember to use inclusive language. Use inclusive language. Know that if you're talking to a room of men and women, that both men, it is possible that both the men and the women in that room have been sexually assaulted, right? Um, Honor and include those experiences, right? Like speak like that's true. Um, I think that's, it's, that's something we'd have to practice because we're so used to framing this around um, a woman-exclusive experience, um, and and it's not, and and we need to do better with our language. Let's get away from thinking about sexual assault only as a sexual act. Mm. That it is an act of power, of of exerting a power, of exerting a dominance over a person. Right. I think. That recognition will allow us to get out of the place of this of this patriarchal dynamic that and heteronormative dynamic of oh, sexual assault can only be exerted from a man to a woman, right? Like, sex might be part of it, but th- th- this is about power. We're we're clear about where power predominantly lies, right? Um, we're clear that men carry a lot of power in our society. And, and, but again, we have to be careful around the language we use because in small ways and in, in small places, many people attempt to, to get power, right? Attempt to hold on to power, attempt to gain power, uh, and, and sexual assault is a tool that people use to do that. So another way that you can support doing this work of redefining manhood and masculinity, specifically around sexual assault, Right, is you can support 
some of the very work that Terry Crews was highlighting during his testimony in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, right? And that's the work of an organization called RISE. Mm -hmm. So go to risenow.us. Um, this is work that we want to shout out the founder of RISE, yep. who is Amanda Nien. Um, and the work that she did and the organization did was to found a Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. This was a Bill of Rights that was enacted by the US federal government um, a few years ago and has since, with the progress being made by the Me Too movement, has been enacted specifically at the state levels as well. And you might be asking yourself, well, why is it important to have both a law enacted at the federal and state level. Yep. The reality is, is that if you're looking at the most protection for the most amount of people and looking for how can a law transcend the test of time and different administrations coming in, which we're seeing right now with the Trump administration rolling back many of the things at the federal level of the Obama administration, the way to safeguard against that is to have legislation that is that exists both at the federal and state yeah. level. Yeah. So right now there is a movement both to bring the Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights to all of the states in the US, as well as to get it ratified by the United Nations. So if you wanna support that work, go to risenow.us. Obviously do your research behind it, check it out. It's an amazing movement, mm -hmm. uh, but support that work. It's interesting to see in cases of sexual assault, who the law actually protects uh, now, like in, in the way in the way that it stands now. In Yen's story, one of the interesting facts was that she was told uh, once she had her rape kit done, she was she was raped, and that was kind of the propeller to her doing some of this amazing work. Um, was that her her rape kit would be destroyed in six months, even though the the, the statute of limitations on rape in her state was fifteen years. Right, like the evidence that would have put someone behind bars was going to be destroyed. Literally, the way the law functioned was that it protected the, the, the person who hurt her, who harmed her. Right, and um, so the, so the work that she's doing counteracts that. Right, like it, it, it shifts the focus, um, from so that th those who are suffering, those who are going through these things, are the ones who are being protected. Does a lot. Yeah. This has been a lot in our first episode of the Men Up podcast. We hope that you got some steps to, to take away mm -hmm. of how you can take action on this topic, of this topic of sexual assault, right? And how it intertwines with our definitions of manhood and masculinity and how we can start to unravel some of that. So please go and support Rise. Please create spaces mm -hmm. of vulnerability and belief and support for, for all people, for men, in, in moments of sexual assault and vulnerability. Uh, and until the next time, I'm Christian Shabu. I'm George Black. Appreciate y'all.